are listening to Conversations with Nathan Latka, where I sit down and interview the top SaaS founders, like Eric Wan from Zoom. If you'd like to subscribe, go to gitlatka.com. We've published thousands of these interviews, and if you want to sort through them quickly by revenue or churn, CAC, valuation, or other metrics, the easiest way to do that is to go to gitlatka.com and use our filtering tool. It's like a big Excel sheet for all of these podcast interviews. Check it out right now at gitlatka.com. Monite.com launched back in 2020, did a million dollar pre-seed round. 0.72 third prime came in after that through 2022. Started landing their first customers really late 2022, scaling today uh, 20 customers onboarded to the platform with real net dollar retention opportunities in the future as they scale volume and usage, but doing 20,000 a month right now on revenue up from basically nothing a year ago. They've got over 50 folks on the team, 40 engineers or product folks of which 25 are based in Georgia. So some labor arbitrage there, which we like, but looking to scale here nicely uh, in a sustainable way over time. We'll see what they do next. Hey folks, my guest today is Ivan Marison. He's the CEO and co-founder of Monite, the API-first fintech company that helps SaaS products uh, platforms capitalize on hassle-free finance automation, finance automation for their clients. At the company, he's responsible for driving product strategy, customer acquisition, and business growth. Under his leadership, the startup already went live with a number of high-profile customers and raised more than $10 million in funding from seasoned VC firms, Third Prime, 0.72 Ventures, alongside angels from big players like Klarna, Mali, Nayum, Played, and PayPal. Ivan, you ready to take us to the top? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, thanks for having me today. You, you bet. And just to be clear, you're also a co-founder, right? Correct. Yeah, I have a technical co-founder. Thanks God, you can't build an API first company without a genius tech guy, which my co-founder Andre is. What year did you guys launch the company? Uh, so we, we launched three years ago, um, and it was like and like a good accident. All all the, all good things in life happen accidentally. We both came from new banks. We had a grand idea how to change SME finance, and here we are three years later. All right. So 2020 launch. Give me a story today of a company or a customer that's using Monite. Yeah, absolutely. So I think uh, just just to give you a perspective, uh, we typically serve B two B platforms that have you know a few thousand SME users at least. Um, right. And uh, for example, the biggest customer we um, signed so far is actually Capital and Tap. I'm a credit card provider for SMEs in the UK. And they already have all this like 300 SME customers. And so what they're doing is they're saying, look, these guys are already using our credit cards, but they could do more finance processes with us. So let's, for example, help them pay suppliers more efficiently. And this is how they basically become a build.com-like provider for their clients. And all of this functionality for payables automation is provided by Monite API, while Capital and Tap has full control over their interface, how it looks, how it works, how it works for specific segments of users. So we sort of like give them all the functionality and they make sure it's a perfect fit for their user. And with that, they earn more per customer, they get more transaction volume. And of course, this means that their user base is a lot more engaged and sort of more locked in than before. Let, let me repeat this back to you for my audience. Maybe. So let's say someone's listening right now running a SaaS company that helps sales teams. And that means that salesperson is obviously probably sending an invoice at some point, sitting very close to the payment flows. If that B2B SaaS company listening today wanted to launch more fintech products, they might look to Monite to help power those APIs and launch things like invoicing, bill pay, and B2B payments inside the application. That's that's exactly right. Like so you theoretically you could just like embed invoice issuance into your CRM system so that the salesperson can one click send the invoice, monitor its paid status, et cetera, et cetera. Or you could like take an SME Neo bank 
and give its users a super app capability where they can manage invoices and payables and expenses all in one place. So if anything, we give people the capability and they can play it in many different ways. And so with this product suite and product set, what is the average customer paying you today to use this API tool? So I think uh, there are there are different sort of uh, types of products we sell in different bundles. I would say we typically sign deals now um, every, every, everywhere above 30000 per year, and we'll be growing this um, very, very quickly as we grow in customer counts. Um, and obviously, the value of those deals are in hundreds of thousands. But what we do is we basically give people an easy way to start, yet the way to start that justifies um, integration costs on our side and locks them in for at least 12 months of usage, which is our minimal commitments. Okay. When you look at your current customer base, would you say it's fair to say on average, those contracts are called 30K per year contracts for some number of API calls? Uh, we, so we don't price based on uh, API calls. We price per active um, SME customer per module per month. So it's basically a scalable SaaS model. And then if people buy payments and um, some financial services from us, we also have a take rate in that. So essentially, this is how we make money. Um, And the idea is that uh, as they get more active usage, they pay us more. So it's strictly aligned in terms of incentive. Only when they make more money, we make more money. Explain to me how the take rate works. If I'm a B2B SaaS company, I use Monike's power in-app invoicing and it invoices for 100 bucks, it gets paid. How much is Monike going to take for that? Yeah, I think it depends on a specific arrangement, right? But we use, for example, Stripe rails in the background for invoice payment links. And then there is basically the cost of acquiring money on the cards. So depending on specifics of like which card it is, et cetera, our take rate could be like zero. It could be negative. It could be a few uh, percentage points. The most important thing is that we give a fixed take rate to our uh, partners. So for example, we would give them payment for whatever, like 2.6% blended rates. And they would say to their client, look, it costs you 3% each payment, which is the market standard that QuickBooks charges. And then they would always want uh, earn 0.4. And so what we do is we fix their earnings, but our earnings really depend on how much transaction costs and we run our own risk um, in that regard. Okay. So I understand moving forward, you're targeting accounts at more than $30,000 ACVs in terms of commitments and contracts. But when you look at your history, right, over the past couple of years, the average customer today, are they paying more like a thousand bucks a month or two grand a month? Is that a fair statement? Yeah, absolutely. So we, we usually don't sign anything that pays less than that. It just doesn't really make sense for us. Uh, we rather look at people like Capital and Tap that already have hundreds of thousands of clients. And those contracts always go into hundreds of thousands per year in terms of minimal commitments, right? Um, so that those are the perfect customers we're targeting. Yet we make the entry easy for smaller platforms or starting uh, or guys who are just starting up. We, we just are aware that the cost of building this is in the millions. So what we ask them to pay as a minimal commitment is negligible, even if you compare uh, compare it to a price of a single developer per year. Okay, so it is fair to say you have active customers today paying more than $100,000 per year. Uh, correct. I mean, uh, the usage is ramping up, right? Like they sign a contract, then they integrate in a few months, then they start... Okay, so they, so they the could usage. pay you more than that in the future if they grow into it, their it's, usage. It's, so, so it's a little bit more like we sign a contract, let's say 50 grand a year, and this contract has a start date. For example, the start date could be 1st September 2023. So since that date, they will be paying 50,000 divided by 12 every single month, no matter if the user or not, according to contract. We hope that they use it very actively and they pay us not 50 grand, but 250 grand because they have so much excessive usage. And this is why our product is not purely technical. We also have a lot of support in product marketing on UX, UI, and on product activation because this is how we make money per active user. 
yeah, you're talking about a minimum threshold, right? The platform spend a moment every month is call it 50 grand, 60, whatever, five grand a month, six grand a month. What you're saying though, is you hope that they breach that minimum and then actually start using more. And then you're getting a take rate, another unit economic variable based comp, which would get the contract up to hundred K, 200 K, 300 K exactly. a year. Exactly. That's the goal. Yeah. But you don't so have people there. You, don't, you, you have a pass to that, but you don't have, you don't have customers today, like in the past 12 months that have paid 300 grand per year. Not yet. No. Yeah. We, yeah. We're, we're still fresh in the market. So it takes time to roll it out. That makes sense. That makes sense. Okay. Cool. That context was helpful. Thanks for giving that. So you get going in 2020. Um, help me understand how you guys capitalize the business. You bootstrapped or raised capital? Yeah. So we first bootstrapped and we actually started as a B2B company. So we first built a one stop shop for a small business owner to manage finances until we realized that people want this one stop shop. But we've seen their system of records that could be POS, neobank, some, you know, vertical software provider or whatever it may be. And that's how we transitioned into infrastructure direction in 2021. Um, and then we raised pre-seeds first for B2B direction, uh, which was around a million. And then we raised um, a larger seed round in two portions, five and five in 21 and 22. Um, and so our total seed was um, $10 million led by 0.72 Ventures and uh, Third Prime. And the last portion of seed came in in December, 2022. Why'd you split it up? Uh, so I think it was just a natural kind of development of the business. Uh, 0.72 came in when we just transitioned into infrastructure. And then Third Prime came in when the infrastructure business was already maturing. And we just wanted to like really give it a boost before Series A. Um, and we still have a very uh, kind of a very good mood for raising a larger Series A, despite all the market concerns and sort of like negative sentiment and everything. Uh, we are one of very few providers in the new category. Um, and therefore, we really want to make sure we're in a good path to maintain that position. How many customers are you serving now today? So we have about 20 platform customers and uh, basically growing, I wouldn't say exponentially, but we have a very good growth rate. We uh, basically 3x customer base in the last six months. Um, and I think we have all chances of even exceeding this in the next six months. Mm-hmm. And when you structure a seed around that spread out like that with a seed and a seed two, where the closes are almost a year apart, does third prime that came in in late 2022 sit on the same paper as 0.72 or is it different valuations? Different valuations with a good premium. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Okay. And then so we don't I, want to dilute too much, right? We got to keep it rolling. Yeah. I mean, I, look, most folks in the seed round back when you closed, I mean, they're selling 15, 20% of the company. Were you sort of in that same range? Yeah, I think we, we, we always rate, like every record we raised was within the market boundaries and we're very lucky to have investors that optimize for long term. So it's, it's sort of like in infrastructure, they really say like, look, how much money do you need to build a category leader? Let's make sure you do this and let's make sure your dilution is between market standards. And that's, um, that's where we are today. Mm-hmm. And sorry, you did the pre-seed in 2020 for, you said a million? Correct. Yeah. Okay. And who led that? Uh, Tomahawk. <laughs> Oh, interesting. Okay. And, and most pre-seed rounds in that range, again, you're selling 20% of the company. Did you do, I mean, you were in that same range? I think, uh, yeah, we, we were somewhere around 20%. If, if my memory doesn't fail, we're even below 20%. Um, I wouldn't remember the exact figure right now, but basically we did uh, sort of three rounds and three of them were in the market range. Um, and then a bunch of like, we, we now even did a convertible after the price round. Uh, but all of this is done without hurting the long-term dilution, right? We're all aware what Series A conditions are. And we make sure that we're in a good position to raise from a tier one fund. Yep. That makes a lot of sense. We're talking about team today. How many folks are full-time? So we have 50 people full-time and 80% of the team is actually product and tech. We're API first company. So it requires a lot of engineers. Uh, we have uh, people from all across European and even global fintech. 
Um, so very senior uh, leadership team, for example, our CPO, Dan Osborne, is XVP product at Marketa, which he scaled from 30 people to IPO. Um, our chief of staff, Sophie, was CEO of Adam Bank. And we have a number of other great technical experts, like, for example, Alex Akimov, ex-head of API at Edian, or Andrew Ephraim, one of the first technical leaders at Mambu. And so this is more or less how we think about the team. We run a fairly low development cost base because we base them in Eastern Europe, but we then have very... Which part of Eastern Europe? Uh, Georgia, Georgia, 1% tax, very, very, very favorable. How many engineers in Georgia? Um, I want to say 20, 25, uh, but we also have some engineers outside of Georgia. So it's it's quite a bunch of people. How did you establish that, like the first person in Georgia? Uh, my my co-founder actually um, actually sits with them in Georgia, and so like he's the right man on the ground to run the whole tech show, um, and that's where we have a lot of um, also good access to talent through the right recruiting agencies. <laughs> so we usually relocate people to Georgia, um, also from you know like ex-Ukrainians, ex-Russians, ex-Belarusians, like from all, all across. Very strong tech talent. Um, and no crazy European or US um, taxes, that would basically mean that we can only run half of that size of the team at this stage. Yeah, that makes sense. Now, you mentioned earlier 20 customers and, you know, historic, I mean, you said in the future, you're targeting 30K ACVs, but historically, they're more like a grand per month or 12K ACVs per year. That would put you about $20,000 per month in revenue. Is that generally correct? Yeah, yeah, that, that's about right. So I think in infrastructure, the, the thing that is the hardest for me coming from a typical SaaS business is that in infrastructure, real revenues always lag behind because there is a longer sales cycle then people have to integrate then minimal commitments kick in and only then they start seeing sort of access usage. And I think we're now exactly in a moment when we have most of the customers either integrating or just starting to go live. So we're yet to see this MRR acceleration, like real MRR acceleration, but that's basically how infrastructure business works. Mm-hmm. So people come in, many of them sign three or four year contracts, they're in for the long haul, but it, t- it takes more time to see this revenue materialize. And if you're at 20K a month today, where were you about a year ago? So we can calculate growth. Uh, I think like about a year ago, we we're around zero. So like uh, we were just launching infrastructure. We just signed the first customers. We signed them almost for free to make sure that we can actually like, you know, deliver the service we want to deliver. And I think in intro also like you don't have a direct feedback loop from a customer, from the end customer. And this is why it takes longer to launch the product and calibrate that it actually works the right way. I would say now a year, fast forward a year, we feel very confident about the solution we have. And this can also be easily kind of um, found out in our API docs and an explanation guide and in everything else that we have published. In your seed round, especially the second close in December of 2022 with third prime, it sounds like you were still basically pre-revenue. What did you point to in your slide decks to basically say, look, we're still getting traction. Even though there's not revenue coming in, we're still getting traction. Give us a higher valuation and give us a $5 million extra capital. Yeah, I think so. I think the, the, this whole round was basically around a very strong funnel of opportunities that we have. Um, and some of them were closed, some are still processing. And there is also another component that in API business, like when we were raising the first portion of seed, the APIs were very fresh. They were like barely just going live, barely getting tested. When we were raising second portion of seed, we already had a number of active deployments with some usage data, with a lot of battleground testing of APIs. And with a very clear answer to like why people would buy this and not build in how. Why would a big player that has a lot of money partner with Monite versus like hire another product team? Um, and a lot of other things that I think are core to the thesis. And now fast forward just six months from that second portion of seed, 
we see like crazy PMF acceleration, a lot more opportunities coming in. It's just generally this market is starting to emerge in a whole new level. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm just curious how you, you I mean, you're on a path with 50 full-time em- employees. I understand some are in Georgia, but you're doing 20 grand a month in revenue. It means you're burning a lot of money per month. I mean, you, you have to either, you have to either grow in and go raise another big round to keep fueling that growth or eventually cut back and make sure you can be sustainable for a long period of time without raising an additional equity round. Where's your head at today? Yeah, I think it's, it's, uh, our, our game is rather aggressive and opportunity driven. I think it's a very simple, it's a very simple explanation here, right? Like if you look at the amount of funding, any invoicing or accounts payable provider that does need to be raised in order to build a solution, you can clearly see that these numbers are at least in the tens of millions. This, uh, this solution that- I can, I can name five companies that are bootstrapped with more than a billion deployed on their platform and their API rails that are, that are bootstrapped in this space. I just want to point that out. It's not required to raise money, in my opinion, for infrastructure plays like this. No, I, I fully, I fully agree. I think like may, maybe people found a way to do this, right? For us, what we see is that there is no real MVP in this market. Like if people come to us and say, Hey, I want to be a build.com for my clients. I can't give them like a scrappy little solution that doesn't really work. I have to give them something a lot more ready. And it actually takes a lot of effort and time to build, which is one of the main reasons that people come to us and not build in house because it does take millions to build this. Now, once you build this, you can capitalize on this very, very efficiently. And I think for us, there is a higher upfront investment, but good news is that we don't need to grow the team so much at series A. We don't need to keep kind of investing exponentially large volumes in order to monetize. It's actually the opposite. We invest a lot upfront and then this machine can run very smoothly with very little marginal investment on top and scale internationally across markets. How much would you say you've invested so far? Like you've actually money you've actually spent. So I think, uh, I think we are. Pretty, still pretty good in cash. Like we, we don't disclose exact numbers, but uh, we are we're definitely above twelve months runway. Um, and well, not that's not runway. I mean, you say you have to invest a lot up front to build something like this, right? That would be a good reason for okay, a customer yeah. to pay you instead. So, like, just I'm just curious, how much do you think you've spent? Five million bucks so far investing in the product. Two million. What do you think it is? I think I think a bit over five. Okay, a bit over five for sure. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And I would say we're nowhere close to done in terms of scope that people want, right? Like when you talk about like, you know, regional invoice and compliance or other things related to payments, um, it's more about like, do you want to earn 1x per user more, like 2x, or do you want to earn 10x? And we're moving in a direction where we want to promise to platforms that they will make a lot more money per user. But in order to do this, we really need to build out the functionality and integrations. Yep. Ivan, we're out of time. Let's wrap up here with the famous five. One word answers if you can. Number one, favorite book. Uh, what to do is who you are. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying? Um, I'm following Elon Musk. I'm, I'm a big fan of some things. I'm not a big fan of others, but I like the example. Number three, what's your favorite online tool for building Monite? Uh, Notion. Number four, how many hours of sleep do you get every night? Uh, at least eight. D- si- don't, don't cut down on sleep. And situation, married, single kids? Uh, I'm, I'm actually single now, so... Okay. Any kiddos or no? I have one. That's my baby. You have, okay. So no kids. All right. And no how, kids. How old are you, Ivan? I'm 30. Last question. Something you wish you knew when you were 20. Uh, the problems can solve themselves. Not Is all there, problems need solving. 
Guys, there you have it. Moonite.com launched back in 2020, did a million dollar pre-seed round. 0.72 third prime came in after that through 2022. Started landing their first customers really late 2022, scaling today uh, 20 customers onboarded to the platform with real net dollar retention opportunities in the future as they scale volume and usage. But doing 20,000 a month right now on revenue up from basically nothing a year ago. They've got over 50 folks on the team, 40 engineers or product folks of which 25 are based in Georgia. So some labor arbitrage there, which we like, but looking to scale here nicely. in a sustainable way over time. We'll see what they do next. Uh, Ivan, thanks for taking us to the top. Cool. Thanks so much for having me.